and welcome back everybody to the things christians want to know podcast i'm nate johnstone this is paul anderson i was just gonna say that and you said it for me thank you you Sorry, know I, me i started so can, off running you can say <laughs> who i am i know who i am you know who i am this is good this is good yes. I, identity is important within scripture jesus knew who he was he knew who god the holy spirit was as well and he was very very excited that when he left, God would send the Holy Spirit to come. Good transition, Nate. Thank you. Thank you. I try. Try to be professional once in a while. And so we're we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're really excited with this topic. It's it's something that's near and dear to us. We understand that this topic is controversial. Even the 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 person of the Holy Spirit is controversial. Um, I was it Jack Deere or R. T. Kendall who said that many Christians' view of the Trinity is a big God the Father, a medium-sized Jesus, and a bird. Mm. And how that is incorrect, scripturally speaking. It is, the God is a trinity of three equal, essentially, partners. They do different things, but, but God the Holy Spirit is God. Yeah. And I often actually say God the Holy Spirit instead of the Holy Spirit, just to remind people of what we're talking about. We're not talking about something extra. We're not talking about something added on to Christianity because there is nothing to add on. It's just God. And so people who call themselves charismatic or spirit-filled, it's not that they've added something on. It's they've just allowed God to do something in their life that mm-hmm. Jesus was very clear was something we should try to do, which was to ask for the spirit to come upon us. And we talked about last week the distinction between within and upon, and we'll talk about that again. All Christians have the spirit of God within them. God, the Holy Spirit resides within every Christian. And what we are talking about is what happened at Pentecost. Jesus promised the gift of the Father, the Spirit would come upon. In the same way, the Spirit came upon David, and it came upon Samuel, and came upon Gideon, and came upon Samson, and they did mighty deeds before the Lord. In that same way, the Spirit can come upon us. Preaching. We can do mighty deeds. Jesus promised us we would be able to do everything he did and even greater things than these because I am going to my Father and he is going to send you the Holy Spirit. And I just read the book of uh, Acts again and I saw that both Peter and Paul did things that Jesus had not done. At least it doesn't say that he did those Mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. The shadow of Peter fell on people. The shadow. that's that's straight up (laughs) sci-fi wow yeah and so he he did not uh disappoint them when they said when he said to them even greater works than, than these shall you do because i go to the father he kept his word and he was at the right hand of the father and they were being filled with the spirit and they did those greater works yeah and i see no no scriptural reason at all why that shouldn't continue and it shouldn't continue to get greater and greater. Why not? Right. Why not be able to receive healing from watching a podcast? Mm -hmm. Because it's the same God. Is God limited by wavelength? Is he limited by time? Is he limited by space? Is he limited by whether or not you can see something or only hear it? If so, blind people would be out of luck, right? Is he, is he limited to whether it's pre-recorded or live? I, I believe God is infinite and I believe he's omnipotent. So 
let's start praying for people <laughs> over the podcast. And I believe whenever you're listening to this or watching this podcast, we're going to pray for, pray for you at the end. You can receive from the Holy Spirit if you believe, because why not? God is not limited to any of those things at all. I believe that our experience of God is only limited because our view of God is limited. Mm -hmm. If we truly grasped how infinite and omnipotent God was, our experience in this life would be far bigger than it is. And if you're taking notes, write down what he just said, if you can remember what he just said. <laughs> we, we, we're finite, and sometimes we box God into what he can and can't do. For right now, while we are recording this, we are still in lockdown from the coronavirus. We're under stay-home order at the moment still. And so churches are having to meet remotely or pre-record or live stream or something like that because they can't meet in person. And that's sad and difficult, but at the same time, it doesn't limit God in one way or another. Not a bit is God limited by us not being able to meet together. And you know what I shared with you about Greg Laurie at Harvest. Uh, network or whatever they call it, they had 31,000 responses for people who wanted to receive Jesus. And he said, that is reaching out to the millennials in this season where they know technology the best and they're looking for answers. And 31,000 of them were, were asking about it. Amen. And I, I think we're going to see more of that. I really do believe that the third great awakening of the United States has begun already. I think historically we'll look back and we'll see that it, it was in seed form for a while and now it's starting to sprout up. And that's not because of this pandemic, but the, but the times and seasons always play a part mm -hmm. in what happens. Um, the, the, the first big missionary expansion of the church wasn't because Rome sacked Jerusalem and destroyed the temple, but it was a factor in encouraging the Christians to leave Jerusalem, that's for certain. And so God uses terrible things, like Nero destroying Jerusalem. My goodness, what a terrible thing to have happened. But God uses that to be like, okay, well, I want you to get out there anyway, so let's go to India. Yes. Let's do it. Yes. Um, and, it and that happened. And as we follow the Holy Spirit, what, we've, what I have found, Paul, anyway, I'm sure you can chime in here too, but what I have found is that it's much easier to walk through difficult and uncertain days like we have now when I'm trying to follow the Spirit and really listen to what he is saying. And I see Paul and Barnabas, Paul and Silas, Peter, Philip, I see them doing that throughout the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And if you look at, I mean, you just read it, so it's very fresh in your mind. Everywhere Paul goes, he does something different. Yeah. He does not set up the same exact thing in every place. He does not have it. There's no church planting model in Acts. I've read books that try to explain church planting models from Acts, and I'm just like, that's one. That's one. There's like 30. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's the synagogue. Sometimes it's a person's house. Sometimes it's outside. Sometimes it's in a, I mean, there's just so many things. He's very flexible. Yes. He is very inflexible on the gospel and what it is and mm -hmm. what it means. He is intractable on that, which is why he keeps getting stoned. <laughs> in some of these places but he's very flexible when it comes to format and form and i think that right now the church is starting to see that we can be flexible and still see the holy spirit move and that's kind of fun it's it's lots of fun it's interesting to me that jesus as he was doing his ministry doing the stuff he did not talk very much about the holy spirit mm -hmm lived in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
when he, he showed us. Yeah. What? He showed us. Yeah. Yes. So he said, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. The Lord has anointed me. So at the beginning of his ministry, we can see that happening. And then he steps into that. And there are very few times when he teaches on the Holy Spirit. That all changed when they got into the upper room. A great transition, a passing of the baton was about to happen. Mm -hmm. The greatest transition that has ever taken place was about to happen. He was about to leave the earth and turn over his ministry to 11 men plus, there were 120 actually in the room, mm -hmm. but to, to those plus to do what he had done and, and even greater. And it's funny at how, how hard it was for them. It was difficult. They weren't getting it at first. He said, Oh, no, and they were understandably like, uh, no, Jesus, you're never leaving. Like, <laughs> Yeah, they, you're, they, they, obviously you're going to be here forever. Stop this silly "I'm leaving" talk. They didn't rebuke Jesus too often. Um, there are only a couple times they rebuked Jesus when they were really scared, like in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. But they do rebuke Jesus whenever he talks about being crucified or leaving. It was like, hard on them. It was probably Jesus is quite patient with them. Listen, and he to does that. say things like, "How long do I have to stay with you?" But <laughs> yes, he says. In chapter 14 of John, this is the upper room discourse. Now, this yep. is when he begins to speak about the Holy Spirit. And I counted six, six ways that he spoke about the Holy Spirit here. But it's uh, interesting. And it starts in John 14, Paul? Is that what yes. you said? We're going we're to look at 14 through 16. But I'm just going to show you a little bit of how difficult it was for them. You know the way to where I'm going. And Thomas raises his hand. And he says, actually, we don't know. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And then Philip raises his hand and said, by the way, who's the Father? I counted 41 times that he uses the word Father in John 14 to 16. He is talking about the Father and about the Holy Spirit, the yep. Son, is talking about that because he's going to ask the Father, and the Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. And so, this is a big Trinitarian passage here, these several chapters. Yes. And, and in their defense, the metaphor of God the Father as Father was, was pretty new. That we yes. don't see it very often in the Old Testament. We see it sometimes. I want it to be like a father to them, etc. So it's there, but it's not everybody was on board with that concept. That's right. Um, and and, and th there was also some understanding of there being a, a plurality to God of some kind, Elohim being a plural word, etc. But again, the Trinitarian theology hadn't been like fully formulated and worked out yet. And so when they were like, wait, so you're God, but what about the God God that we haven't seen before? Who's that? And like, like they're trying to figure it all out. So we look back at them because we, are, we grew up in Sunday school with Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We get it. And they don't. And so let's cut them a little slack <laughs> while we read it. Yes. Father, what, what, what is going on? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to point out in these three chapters, there are six things that I count uh -huh. yep. that Jesus says uh, uh, the Holy Spirit will do for us. The first is that he will live within us. So if you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, this is verse 15. 
you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father, he will give you another helper to be with you forever. forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now this is the most important phrase in this passage here. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. With speaks of old covenant theology. Mm -hmm. In is new covenant. Like you said last week. Two different things. This is new covenant. In. He will be in you. So as I think about that, people are looking to find God. You know, they go on pilgrimages. They hear about some powerful thing happening at some river. And so many people will go to that place because God has a place. And in the Old Testament, he had a place. When they were traveling through the desert, he had a place. It was called the tabernacle. And if a little boy said to his dad, hey, where is God? They would point to the tent. He's in there. That's where Moses goes. He talks to God. He's inside that tent. Well, then they got to the place where they were traveling to. And instead of a tent now, God told them to build a temple. Mm -hmm. And in that temple, the Spirit of God came in to the Holy of Holies. Now, if kids wanted to find God, dad would say, there he is. He's in the temple. He's in that holy of holies. And 12-year-old children uh, and older would come three times a year to Jerusalem to, to visit with God because mm -hmm. he was there. That was, that was the place. But then the temple was destroyed, and with it, so was the faith of many who believed that God could not exist apart from a place. Right. But then prophets began to say, there is one coming who will embody the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And they spoke about the Son of God without knowing what fully what they were saying. Yeah, but they saw in, saw in part. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten Son of God. So now, if you wanted to find God, where was, where was he? Well, they didn't know it at first. They didn't know it at first. But what did Thomas say at the end? Powerful statement. My Lord and my God. My God. There, there was God. I think, they, I think the disciples sensed it on some level. They were God-fearing people. They were seeking God, right? Absolutely. And so I think when they came in the presence of Jesus, it was like, whoa, there's, there's something here. I don't know that they understood it. They definitely didn't understand it intellectually. We know that because it says they didn't. But I think they, I don't know, they were drawn to him. Well, Peter came close. You are the Christ. The eventually he gets there. Yes, eventually they do get there. Yeah, he, he was, uh, that was a pretty powerful statement. And, and when it comes to James and John, they had heard, their other cousin, John the Baptist, say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yes. I baptize with water. He will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. Yes. Now, if you hear the guy you follow say that about somebody else, you're like, uh, you're the best, but I'm going to go. I'm going to go with them, right? Yeah. So, so this was prophesied right away by John the Baptist. That'd be the first day, essentially, of Jesus' ministry, right? John the yeah. Baptist prophesied Pentecost. Yes, indeed. So he, according to John's prophecy, the first prophecy to, you know, the living, walking around Jesus, he's going to do two things. He's going to take away the sin of the world, 
the whole salvation thing. And he's going to give us the Holy Spirit and baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire. So this whole idea that Holy Spirit, quote-unquote baptism, Holy Spirit filling, coming upon, Pentecost, all the stuff we're talking about now, the idea that that is not important is scripturally impossible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you, you just can't make that argument because right away, John the Baptist says, that's why he came. Yes. And so it's, it's not a little thing. It's, it's very important. So let's get back to John, okay. where Jesus yeah. himself talks about how important it is. And, and now, if people want to find God, do you know where they look? Now as in today? You want to find God. Me and you. He's with us. Yeah. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. What a radical, a radical turn of events that the spirit that was in Jesus, so now he leaves, he, he promised, he told him, I'm going to send the spirit. The spirit comes on Pentecost. They are filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. He told them that the Holy Spirit would come and live within them. Second thing, that the Holy Spirit would counsel them personally. He will send you another helper. You know what that word is, don't you? Mm-hmm. It's that word that uh, becomes a very important New Testament word, the word paraclete or parakleo, the one called to it one side. We need help. We need counsel. We're weak. Amen. The Spirit helps <laughs> in our, our weakness. We don't know which way to go. The Holy Spirit comes to encourage, to exhort, to defend, to counsel, to guide, to teach, to instruct, and this is what the Holy Spirit does. He counsels us. He's called the Spirit of Truth. He will guide us into all the truth. What a gift the Father gave when he sent the Holy Spirit. And from within he does this. It's a wonderful thing to be able to go to somebody who's wise and, and receive their counsel. No one can compare no. to the Holy Spirit within. And I mean... Helper is such an understatement. <laughs> Another helper. Because yes. I, I, I have come to ask the Holy Spirit stuff all the time. I know you Because do. it has been proven to me over and over again that I'm not as smart as I think I am. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit, I, I am pretty smart. Like, not in a false humility way, but I, like, I am pretty smart. But the Holy Spirit is so much smarter. It's not yeah. even funny. And so I ask him what I should plant in my garden. I, I ask him anything because if he has an opinion, I'd like to know it. Sometimes he says, whatever you want. Okay. But sometimes I'm like, like recently this week, is this, are these flowers going to grow well in this soil? I don't know. Um, but I felt like the Holy Spirit was like, yeah, they'll be great. You know? And then I watched a couple of YouTube videos explaining it and they talked about how, why they would be great. Because uh, mm-hmm. they actually produce nitrogen in the soil, which then helps out other plants and vegetables and stuff. So I was like, cool. The Holy Spirit was right. What do you know? You know, surprise, surprise. Yeah. Uh, but I find it so helpful. I find it so helpful in parenting when so often I, I and my flesh get frustrated um, or I just don't know what to do. And I, I ask the Holy Spirit for help. And man, I, I've never known a life without him. So I can't compare, but I can tell you I can't imagine it. Yeah. And I don't want to. <laughs> well, those are great illustrations and they're very practical. They're very down to earth. Mm-hmm. Which- where we live. So I love that. Third thing. So I said, uh, we're number three. He'd live within us. 
Second, counsel us personally. Number three, he will teach us accurately. It says in verse 25 and 26, these things I have spoken to you while I'm yet with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What teacher could promise that? He mm -hmm. will teach you all things and also bring to your remembrance. So if you forget yep. it, he'll remind you of these things. How incredibly wonderful it is to have the Holy Spirit living within us and from within us teaching us, exhorting mm -hmm. us, correcting us, guiding us, say this, not that, do this, not that, go here, not there, speak this, not that. And I find, again, not surprisingly, that it's true what Jesus says here. Mm -hmm. The Spirit really does remind us what God has said in his word or what God has said to us personally on a previous occasion. Like, it happens all the time. The more you're in the word and read it and have it in your heart, the more the Holy Spirit can use it uh, to bring to your remembrance. But like, I don't have a photographic memory or anything like that. And very often the Spirit will bring scriptures to my mind, especially if I ask him to. And, and I'll, use, I'll use this first. Jesus said that you would teach us all things. You'd remind us everything. I need something right now from you. And I can guarantee there's a download. That fulfills something in 1 John. We were, we're in the yeah. book of John, but this is 1 John chapter 2. It's a very dangerous verse, Nate. Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's a verse that we could take and uh, misuse. But here's what it says. The anointing that you have received from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in him. John is not saying we don't need human teachers. John was a teacher himself, and he was very much looked to as an elder. He's teaching them right there. <laughs> right. But he is saying by far the most important teacher who is anointed to teach and will give us an anointing as we are open to his teaching, by mm -hmm. far the greatest teacher is the Holy Spirit. Yep. The Spirit, the Spirit himself, not, yes. just, not just what's been written about him. And this, this is where some people get into controversy, I think, is some say scripture is all that there is. There's no such thing as following the leading of God. We have scripture for that. Mm -hmm. And scripture is wonderful and it's very, very helpful. And it provides an anchor and a basis. But the purpose of the Bible is to introduce us to God. Yes. So that we can have a relationship with him. It's God's love letter to humanity mm -hmm. and to us as individuals. And so scripture is an anchor because sometimes we hear wrong or we hear what we want to hear or, or, or we're very flawed. I am. Maybe you're good you know, listener who's, who's listening or watching this. Um, but I am very flawed. And so I, I so love scripture and appreciate scripture because it, it gives me a, here are the boundaries to not go beyond this or that or that. Um, but ultimately, the purpose of the New Testament is that we experience Jesus, the Father and the Holy Spirit, exactly the way Jesus is talking about here in John. Yes. And that we ourselves learn to be guided by God himself. Yes. And that we don't have a need for anyone to teach us because God himself is leading us and teaching us. That's the point of the Bible. 
so that we will get into a relationship with God himself, follow God himself. Scripture is helpful in that, but it's not the ultimate goal. In Islam, scripture, their scripture is the ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. That's why their scripture is, is holy in the way that our holy Bible is not. You know, a great uh, illustration, but that's not what we believe. A great illustration of that, Nate, of what you're saying is when Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is they that testify of about me. And so they must have hated end. that one. Wow. Oh my. They're not the end. They are given to help us know the living word, Jesus yes. Christ. And the Holy Spirit, he teaches us all things and he teaches us. Uh, well, here's my, here's my fourth point. He makes Christ our center. It says in John 15, when the Holy Spirit comes, he will testify of me. Yes. That's the great work of the Holy Spirit within to make Jesus Lord of our life. No one can say Jesus is Lord and, and truly be faithful to that apart from the Holy Spirit. I cannot make him Lord on my own, but the right. Holy Spirit can set him up as Lord of my life as I surrender to the work of the Holy Spirit within. Isn't that wonderful? It is. It's amazing. And I'm going to, I know you don't want me to pause you again and say we have to wait till next week to continue. I was because, hoping we could get done with the last two. Uh, we're we're going to keep going. Next next week, we'll we'll finish these up. There's, there's just so much to go through, Paul. We could do a 12-hour podcast on the Holy Spirit because uh, he's awesome. Okay. So uh, tune in next week. We'll see you again uh, and continue this, this Bible study on the Holy Spirit on the Things Christians Want to Know podcast. Bye-bye, everybody. That is it for this episode of Things Christians Want to Know. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to questions at tcwkcast.com. We publish every Thursday, so tell your friends and please rate us on iTunes. That's really helpful for us. Additional information, including links to Nate's blog, Paul's blog, etc., can be found on tcwkcast.com. God bless.